For those of you who were not here last week, I'm sorry that you weren't here for the beginning of this message, but we have been dealing with a series that is entitled, Why Are We Here? Why are we here? Why is it that we're here? Why do we come to church? Why are we calling ourselves Christians? Why? It's, it's, it's an important question for us to deal with. And the reason why this is so important is because we discussed that the church is in need of alignment. And what I mean is that a realignment, we need to realign. In other words, we must become focused on the things of God, meaning that we should become totally consumed and concerned with the will of God and the kingdom of God being manifested in and through our lives. As children of God, as people who are called his disciples, we have a great responsibility and it is to ensure that we do not lose our saltiness, that our light does not grow dim, and that our character continues to reflect Christ more and more. You and I must be devoted to a living, loving, and growing relationship with Almighty God. We began speaking about the true signs of Christianity because, you know, we have different signs. You see people's cars. They have fish on their cars, and that was a sign, and we discussed that last week. And we know that when we see that sign, you know, that we know that that person is a Christian or they go to church or something like that. Sometimes their driving indicates different. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. But anyway, we know that they, you know, that they do know something about church. And so we see these signs, but the question is, what are the true signs or the true marks of Christianity? Because those things must follow us. I communicated last week that we are the only Bible some people will ever read. Amen, somebody. Therefore, it is important that our lives paraphrase the full counsel of God before the lost. It is important that our lives demonstrate that we are walking with him. Signs must follow us. Certain things must follow us. And we understand that the true sign or one of the true signs of Christianity is the cross, church. Without the cross, there's no resurrection. Without the cross, we have nothing to celebrate today. Without the cross, we have no salvation. Without the cross, there is no reconciliation. In other words, without the cross, we cannot enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God Almighty. Without the cross, we can do none of that. And so it's important that we realize that in this story here, Jesus is communicating to his disciples and he has this conversation with them. And as he's talking to them, he begins to ask them, so who do men say that I am? And as I discussed it last week, it is giving you the picture of him walking down the road with his disciples. And he asked them, who do men say that I am? John the Baptist. Well, who do men say that I am? Well, Elijah. Well, who do men say that I am? Well, some of the, you know, one of the prophets. And so he's having this dialogue with them. And then he stops and he pauses and he asks them the most important question for them and the most important question for us. Who do you say that I am? See, because it doesn't matter what your mother or your father said about Jesus. It's what you say about Jesus. It's who Jesus is to you. It doesn't matter what I say about Jesus. It is who is Jesus to you. Is he some historical figure or is he someone who has changed your life? Is he someone who has entered into your life and brought change and transformation to you? Is he someone that you are engaged in an intimate relationship with? Or is he just some historical figure that you heard about, that you see every once in a while, that you think about when you see a cross? Or is he someone that you are, uh, that you are engaged in a relationship with? Because what's supposed to happen is this Jesus is supposed to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Amen? This Jesus is supposed to truly be the Son of God, the one who brought deliverance and healing to you. That's who Jesus is supposed to be. But he asks his disciples this question, and one of them, true to character, Peter opens his mouth and he says, Lord, you are the Christ. In other words, you are the anointed one. You are the one that we have been waiting for. And he says in, in another, in another um, 
part of the gospel, one of the other gospels, giving the recollection of the story, Jesus communicates to him and says to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. He tells him, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build this church. What rock? That revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That's what I'm going to build my church upon because that's what it's all about, guys. If we don't know Jesus, we're lost. It doesn't matter how many church attendances we have in our lives. I was listening to someone the other day. I felt so horrible for him. You know, this person was going to church and they were talking about, um, you know, their particular denomination. And he said that he wanted to transfer churches from, you know, go, go from one church to another church that was closer to him. And so he said that when, you know, he says, you know, but we weren't like every Sunday kind of Christians. We didn't go to church all the time. Hello, somebody. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glory to God. Anyway. So he says, we didn't go to church all the time. And he said, when we get ready to transfer churches, he says, you know, we you know, submitted an application because, you know, to become part of a member of a certain church, you have to submit an application and everything like that. So he goes and he puts in, you know, information in there. He calls him back and he tells him, listen, we've been denied. It's like, well, why have we been denied? Sporadic attendance. Hmm. Now listen. First of all, let me, let, let, let me challenge you. Don't be sporadic in your attendance. Amen, somebody? You should be committed not just to coming to Sundays and Wednesdays. You should be committed to Jesus and want to be with the people of God as much as possible. Glory to God. But, 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 but the fact of the matter is, him being rejected or denied, that doesn't call him a Christian or not. What calls him a Christian is if he has a relationship with Jesus. Because what about, I mean, I don't know, just, just maybe, what about if this person has to work three Sundays out of the month? What, what, what happens to that situation? Are they not a member of the church? Well, they're, they're a member of the church of Jesus Christ. But the issue is one thing. Who does he say Jesus is? Because that's what makes all the difference. Who does he say that Jesus is? Is Jesus the Lord and Savior of his life? That is what is important for all of us to answer that question. Amen? And so we understood last week and we, we realized that Jesus communicates to them. He says, okay, don't tell anybody about this because my time is not yet. And then he begins to go on and he says, and, and, and he begins to share with them and he begins to tell them about what he is going to have to go through. He begins to communicate to them. Look at verse 31. And he says, and he, this is Jesus, began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly in other words he made it crystal clear this wasn't a parable he didn't speak in parables to them about this he made it clear to them then Peter took him aside began to rebuke him but but when he had turned Jesus had turned around and looked at his disciples he rebuked Peter saying get behind me Satan for you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men and we know that in one of the other gospel recollection of this he says you are a stumbling block to me and I said this last week and I want to repeat it that Jesus was saying listen there are some things that I have to go through in order to fulfill my destiny and my purpose. There are some things that I have to experience before I can complete what I've been sent to this earth to do. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be just something that I'm going to sleep through. It is going to be something that is going to be painful and going to be difficult. And when Peter rose up in his life and said, wait a second, we've been waiting for you because you are the savior of the world. You are the deliverer of Israel. You're the king that is to come. You are the son of God. There's no way that you can go through that stuff. Jesus said, you're being a stumbling block of offense to me because you are trying to hinder me from fulfilling my purpose in church. You've got to learn to tell those people that are trying to tell you to take the easy way, get out of my way because God has called me to walk this way and it ain't the easy way. Hello. It's not the easy way, church. Remember, one of the true signs of Christianity is the cross. It's not just the cross Jesus bore, but it's the cross we bear. Hello. 
So Jesus communicates this. Peter rebukes him. And remember, he wasn't like rebuking him disrespectfully. Jesus said it openly. Peter pulls him to the side. And he's like, Lord, never. That can never happen to you. And then Jesus says, look, man, you got to get out of my way because your, your, your mind just shifted. You went from being mindful of the things of God, revelation from God, and you, you know, you want, and, and, and let, me, let me paint this picture because this happens to us all the time. We hear the word of God being preached to us, and we realize that's for me. We realize I've got to live that. God begins to deal with us. We're praying or we're driving or whatever, and God begins to show us certain things in our lives that are not right things that we know and we acknowledge at that moment. Man, these things are not right. Where do you think that came from? God Almighty is speaking to your heart. God Almighty is communicating to you, and then all of a sudden, you get get out of your car, come out of your prayer closet, leave the church building, and you go out there, and everything that you knew you were supposed to do, you decided, well, no, I can't do it. It's too hard. So what happened? You went from being mindful of the things of God to being mindful of the things of this world. Church, this is not something that doesn't. This continues to go on, continues to happen. So Peter's no different than us. Hello. So he has this moment and he gets this revelation. And so last week, and I won't take you through the grotesque beating that Jesus went through, but we answer this question and say this with me. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Now repeat this. Remember, this is a long one. God is eternal, almighty, creator, and sustainer of life. He is holy, not only separated from sin, incapable of sinning, but sin does not dwell in him his holiness hates sin therefore cannot tolerate it that is why jesus had to die because our god is almighty he is holy he is righteous and in the garden of eden we talked about that last week as well and i'm just trying to bring you up to speed to where we are but last week we discussed how adam and eve fell in the garden and so what happened was god's holy standards were violated but can i communicate something to you today it is not just what adam and eve did in the garden that causes jesus to have to die it is the sins that we commit daily church it is the things that we do daily that Jesus died for because it wasn't like after Jesus died, people stopped sinning. That's not the truth. Hello. People continue to sin and it's because we have a sinful nature. The reason why I bring this up is because I don't want you to go on ahead and just blame Adam and Eve and just forget about yourself. You and I have to come to a recognition that we are sinners who violate God's standards always. Don't just be like passing the buck. No, it is you and I. It is us who were the ones who were spitting on him. It is us who were the ones who were abusing him. It was us who were the ones who were mocking him. Every time that we sin and dishonor him, we are doing that. And we have got to take ownership, church. We cannot just walk around like it's all good it ain't all good Jesus went through some hell so that way we could have life when Jesus hung on that cross we've got to understand something when he was there on that cross the Bible says that it was dark so he experienced darkness the Bible says he said my father my father why have you forsaken me so that means that he was isolated and separated so we see darkness and we see this isolation or separation from the father and then he cries out and he says I thirst so it communicates three things to us we see darkness we see isolation and we see thirst isn't that the picture of hell church the Bible says hell is in a place of outer darkness. It is a place of suffering. It is a place where you are going to be separated from the presence of God for all of eternity. And you will have a thirst that will be unquenchable. So while our Savior hung up there on the cross, church, he was going through hell so you and I don't have to. He bore that for us. And he had to. He had to go through that in order that we could have life. Because if he didn't go through it, someone was going to have to pay this price. There was punishment that was going to happen. 
And so what we realize is that without Christ submitting to the cross after having lived a perfect life, we would never be forgiven our sins and be able to enjoy the benefit of a living relationship with the creator of all. The second thing I want you to repeat after me, please say, why did Jesus, or what did, say, what did Jesus experience and endure prior to the resurrection? See, because we all want to get to the resurrection without our cross. We all want the blessing without going through dying. Mm -hmm. Jesus says to his, he told his disciples, listen, I've got to go and what? I've got to suffer, right? Say, he had to suffer. Say, he had to suffer. I must be rejected. So he had to suffer. He had to be rejected. And then he says, and I must die. I must be killed. So we see rejection. We see death, then we see resurrection. That was what our Savior got to deal with. Amen? Jesus experienced suffering through what? Through rejection and death, or should I say murder, and then after that, resurrection and glorification. Jesus suffered the agony, church, of loving his people and desiring their deliverance, but not being recognized as their long-awaited Messiah. See, that's the agony, see, because we see, we talked about it last week, the agony on the exterior. We talked about the beating last week that he took physically, but we didn't really discuss the internal thing that was going on inside of him. We didn't discuss how he came and he cried out and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to bring you in, how I long to cover you. He wanted their salvation. He came to this earth to bring deliverance to their lives. And you know what? They rejected him. They're celebrating him. and But then the, 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 the leaders of the community wouldn't embrace him, wouldn't accept him in there and so what does he do he experiences a suffering of heart that's why the bible says he was a man of many sorrows the scripture tells us that he came to his own and he was not recognized that is incredible church that is like you giving birth to a child and coming to them in a few years and they say who are you i don't know you that would break our hearts church and imagine you continuing sign after sign, good work after good work, good deed after good deed, continuing to communicate your love. When the, when, when the Pharisees were ready to stone him, he's like, for what are you going to stone me? For what good deed are you going to stone me? Because they had nothing negative to say about him. All they could say was they didn't like him because you know what? This is why they rejected him. They rejected him because they were filled with envy and jealousy. Because people were leaving their crowd to follow him. And so the, the scriptures clearly tell us that they were filled with envy when they came before Pilate and, they came, and, and, and Jesus was being tested. Pilate knew. He's like, man, these people are just full of envy. They're just full of jealousy. This guy hasn't done a thing wrong. This is what the scriptures teach us. So Jesus suffered the agony of wanting to see his people saved and them rejecting him. Then he was rejected by the religious leaders because of their jealousy. And who killed Jesus, church? The same people who were crying out, Hosanna, were the same ones a week later crying out, crucify him. Crucify him. First, save us. Then, kill him. It was us, church. The same ones. Clapping, rejoicing. Crucified him. Here's the beauty of all of this, though. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. Nobody took it from him. He gave it. The scripture said, Pilate is like, look, man, don't you know that I have the power? He said, man, you don't have any power except that which my father gave you from heaven. <laughs> if my kingdom was of this world, listen, they'd be fighting right now. 
wouldn't be a, a very long fight, but you know, they would have stood up for a moment. <laughs> Nobody took his life. He gave it for us. Church, Jesus is the true example of what uncompromising, unlimited, and unhindered obedience to the Father looks like. And our goal is what? To be like Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your goal should be to be like Jesus. Now ask him, how you doing? Uh-huh. How you doing looking like him? See, because Jesus goes on, and now, now, now we read the text here, right? Verse 31, we read all the way down. He says, get behind me, Satan, and look at verse 34. This is the good part. This is the part that I really love. Verse 34 says this. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him, and I'm going to throw this in there, or her, deny, I'm going to say themselves, and take up their cross and follow me. Now notice, Jesus communicates, and this is where the rubber meets the road. He says, I'm going to fulfill my will or the will of the Father. I'm going to complete my task. When I preached on Friday night, I said, Jesus shows us how to finish. He shows us how to finish strong. And the bottom line is this, we either finish or we fail. There is no in between. There is no almost saved. Hello, somebody. And I know we want to say that, you know, when we ask somebody that we love and are they saved? Well, almost. No, they ain't. Baby, I'm sorry. There's, there, there's going to be no group of people almost made it to heaven. No. There's, there's going to be you made it to hell. That's where you made it. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be, you know, flippant about it. I'm just letting you know that that's reality. You know, you can think, well, I, you, you, there's no almost good enough. Hello. You're either in or you're out. I said it on, I said it on Friday. There's no she goat. You know, sheep goat. It's, it, it's either a sheep or a goat. One of the, it's one of the other, church. There, there, there's no in between. You either are a goat or you are a sheep. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to create something so you can feel good about yourself. No. Until you figure out. Listen, you figured out everything while you were here on the earth. Hello. I hope you're figuring right. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Resurrection Sunday. We're worshiping him. Amen. Hallelujah. He says to his disciples, he says, look, he calls the crowd to him again because Jesus, like I told you the first week, Jesus wasn't like, oh, my goodness, I have followers. I'm so excited. I'm not going to preach hard. Hello. That wasn't what Jesus did. He turns around and he says, hold on. He said, he said wait a second. He said, if you want to come after me, you need to deny yourself rejection. You need to carry your cross, death, and follow me, resurrection. Did you hear me? I got to be rejected? You got to be rejected. I've got to die? You've got to die. And then we can all experience resurrection. Sounds like a good deal to me. Uh-huh. This is what Jesus said. It is, it's not me. This is what Jesus declares. He says, if I've got to go through this, you're you going to follow me? Oh, oh I'm, I'm going to pave the way for you. I'm going to show you how to do this, how to do this. Now, I get out of doing this. I, I'm going to suffer the punishment in your place. So you ain't got to worry about punishment, but you've got to grow into my character. Repeat this after me. Christ-likeness must be molded before it can be modeled. 
Christ-likeness must be molded in us before it can be modeled. You cannot fake this because there's folks that will try to fake this until pressure becomes too intense. And then guess what? They can't fake it anymore. You have got to be molded before you're going to be able to model, before you're going to be able to do what Christ has called us to do. So as followers of Christ, and if you're not a follower today, I invite you to truly follow the Christ that is preaching in these scriptures here to his disciples, the Christ that is died, that died on that cross, the Christ who gave everything so we can. I invite you to come and serve him, but not on your terms, on his terms. Not, 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 not the way you want to serve him, the way that he has called you to serve him. Because he says clearly that we have to do some stuff. And so what happens is we must identify with his suffering, with his rejection and his death before we experience the true resurrection life and glorification of being children of God. So the first thing that we find here is that our decision to become disciples of Christ is demonstrated by our following. He says, anybody who desires to come after me, it's an open invitation. Anyone, whoever, whoever desires to come after me, whoever desires, whoever knows, this is what he's saying, whoever recognizes that they need to follow me, whoever recognizes that they need me in their life, whoever recognizes that I am the only way, that I am the only truth, that I am the only, whoever recognizes that apart from me, they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven, whoever it is that is like that, who realizes this, here's what you got to do. The first thing is you're going to deny yourself. What does the word deny me? Because I want us to look at this word because this word deny is just insane. We identify with Christ's suffering and rejection through the denial of ourselves. So we are rejecting ourselves. We don't have to wait for others to reject us. We reject ourselves. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Because we're doing it for what? For his glory. The word deny means to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone. When Peter said, I don't know him. That's what he was doing. He was affirming. He was saying, I, I don't have any acquaintance with him. I don't know him. When you say, when you say that about someone, you're saying, I, you're denying. You're saying, I don't know them. I don't know them. You know, you, you, you know, sometimes you get around your family, they get a little crazy and loud. Glory to God. I don't know them. I, who, them, I, I don't know. They just take a couple steps over. You know what I'm saying? Be like, I, I don't know them crazy people right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? We're denying that we know them. We're denying that we're part of that. We're, we're, we're saying we don't, we don't but, 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 but let's, let, let's make it more personal because the definition gets real personal. It means to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself in one's own interests. Oh, glory to God. To forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself, and one's own interest. Did you get that? Did you hear what that just that word means? Whoever wants to follow me, forget yourself. Lose sight of yourself and your own interests. That's what he means by denying. Forget about you because it ain't about you. See, the moment that we get that in our spirit, I wish I could play the song, glory to God. We'll work on that, Hallelujah. Hours is going to take me hours. I will have arthritis by that time, but I'm denying myself. I'm thinking about the glory of God. I'm going to forget my hands. Hallelujah. Be like this for the rest of my life. It's not about us. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's all right. Glory to God. We got it, though. Be like, it's not about us. Remember, it ain't about you. <laughs> Denial, church. Denial of ourself. To forget yourself. Can you imagine? Just, just, just think about this for a moment. 
Can you imagine how glorious marriages would be if everybody involved in the marriage, which is husband and wife, would forget about themselves and focus on Christ? Can, can, can you imagine that? No, no, notice, 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 please. Notice, church, notice what I said. I didn't say forget about yourself and focus on your spouse. That's not what I said. Forget about yourself and focus on Christ. Because sometimes you focusing on your spouse can create an idol in your spouse. Hello? So where what you're trying to do is it's all about them, not him. If we would focus on pleasing Christ, not making you feel good, honoring Christ in our home. Oh, it would be tough. It, it, it would be tough. But you know how awesome it would be if we were both on the same page? If we were both trying to please Jesus? Listen, we wouldn't be yelling at each other. We wouldn't be talking crazy to each other. We wouldn't be acting fool. You know why? Because we're trying to please Jesus. And we know that if I treat you that way, I'm not honoring him. Can you imagine how awesome our families would be if our children, glory to God, would forget about themselves and focus on Jesus, amen? Forget about trying to get your way, his way. It'd be awesome too if the parents, amen? Come on kids, y'all can, can say amen, glory to God. <laughs> Forgot about, and I ain't trying to create rebellion, glory to God, because even if they're not thinking about Jesus, you got to submit, amen, glory to God, and honor them. But the reality is, if we would all just say, man, I'm forgetting about myself. I'm forgetting about me, not because I want to prove something, but because I want to follow him the way that he's, because this is what the word deny means. So you call yourself a Christian? Are you denying yourself? Or are you living for yourself? How about this? What about our goals, the goals and the things, you know, because some of us have goals. Some of us have a list of things that we're aiming for and striving toward and things we want to do before we die. You know those goals? Is it about you or is it about Jesus? Is it about you or is it about him being glorified in you? Is it about you being comfortable? Listen, th 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 this is the reason why I communicate this. And, and I got to share this because, I, you know, I, I did it in a classroom over there and I've shared it a few times. But th this is why it's so important for us to grasp the reality, church. That it's not about making God first. It is making God the center of our lives. Different. It's not about God first, then family, then church. And I don't even know how that whole thing goes, but anyway... I haven't found it in the Bible, so I don't pay much attention to it. But what I do know is this, is that Christ is supposed to be the center of our lives. Our lives are supposed to revolve around Christ. Our families should know that Christ is first in us. Our jobs should know that Christ is first in us. Our church should know, obviously, that Christ is first in us. Our neighborhood should know that Christ is first in us. It is important for us to grasp this reality so we can live a life that in everything we want to bring him glory. Forget about ourselves. Forget about ourselves. Forget about this. this he said, if you're going to come after me, forget about yourself. Lose sight of yourself. How do you lose sight of yourself? Focus on something else. See, the issue is we come to Jesus. We hear this resurrection, glorious. We're going to have a wonderful life. God is going to fix everything. Can I ask you a question? What if God doesn't fix everything? Are you still going to serve him? 
What if God doesn't make it all better? What if God decides that that's going to be the cross you're going to bear for the rest of your days on this earth? Are you still going to serve him? Oh, I know you didn't want to hear that. I, I know, I know, because that's not popular. But remember, the invitation is open. If you want to serve him, this is what the scriptures teach, not what I teach, not what Faith Dome teaches. We just teach what the Bible teaches. And the scripture says that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, meaning if you're going to fall in line with me, then you know what? you got to deny yourself. So the first thing that we got to do is we got to wait for no one else to reject us. We reject our own desires. We reject our own flesh. We put our own flesh on the altar and we say, here, God, take this from us. Because you know what happens? It is here when we decide that we are no longer going to run after our own desires, when we are no longer going to put self first and we're going to put Christ as a center of our life. You know what we do? We are rejecting the mold of this world. Hello. We're saying, I don't want to be like this world. I'm not going to allow this world to identify or to, or to define me. I'm not going to allow this world to say that I'm this or I'm that. I'm going to allow God Almighty to define who I am and to make me. Why? Because I said Christ's likeness must be molded before it can be modeled, church. So the question is, are you denying yourself? Have you put your desires, have you put your lust, have you put your wants, have you put all of those things that do not bring glory to him, have you put them down and said, nope, I reject those because those don't bring honor to you. Because if not, you're falling short and he's calling you higher. The second thing he says is he says that you must carry your cross. This is death. So first of all, you got to forget about yourself, get your eyes off yourself, forget about your own interest, and now you got to die. You know, he's so awesome because he gives us the ability to die a little bit less painless, you know, a little bit less pain. Hello. Because if you stop thinking about yourself, you stop focusing on yourself, dying doesn't hurt as bad. It still hurts, but it doesn't hurt as bad. You know why it's so hard for us? Because we're so busy trying to hold on to self that when it comes time to die, when it comes, we can't do it. Because what? Because we've been focused on the wrong things. And so he says to carry his cross. The reason why this signifies death is because the, the cross was something that nobody, church, was going to carry unless they were going to die. Because it was one of those things that was for someone that was the worst type of person in the society. Those were the only people that carried the cross. And so someone who was going to carry the cross had to do what? Had to be a person who was ready to die on it. And so Jesus says, you have got to carry this cross. How is it that we die? I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8, please. Because I want to show you that we don't die in our own strength or in our own ability. Or because we will it to happen. But there's a way that we die. Romans chapter 8 and beginning in verse 12. You got to say so. Verse 12 says this. It says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. In other words, we owe something. We have we, we owe something. But he says this, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, not about self. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how is it that we die? We die by living in the spirit. 
By walking in a relationship, walking in the direction that the Spirit of God is leading us through the Word of God. Because verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is beautiful because he's talking about us dying, but he's saying there's no fear in this death. He's saying you're going to die to yourself, but you're not afraid of death because inside of you, there is a cry to your daddy in heaven. There is a cry that says, daddy, I love you. I want you. And that cry is the same. And, and, and from, the, from the father, he's saying, daughter, son, I love you. He's saying, I want to I bring you through this and I want to take you to where I'm trying to get you. And so that spirit is not fearful. You're not afraid because you realize that God is the one leading and directing. Verse 16, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ stop right there just look up real quick sounds wonderful so far doesn't it if you're children of God you're joint heirs you know what that means that means that you have this common inheritance glory to God Jesus said listen I go my father he's got many 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 rooms many many houses I wouldn't tell you I was going there. My daddy, he, he's building this glorious promise of hope. But look at what he continues on to say. I love this scripture. He puts this word, the apostle Paul says, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Can I tell you why suffering is so important, church? Because if we don't have any suffering in our life, we have no maturity. Did you hear me? If we don't have any hardship in our life, we have no maturity. We don't know how to walk in obedience when we don't have to deny ourselves, when we're not carrying our cross. See, the beauty of this is he says that whoever is going to come after me should deny himself, should carry his cross, and follow me. The word follow is a different word than the first one. The first word come after me means come behind me. The word follow, it gives the picture of walking together with someone on the road. And what he's saying is, look, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to come after me, if you are denying yourself, if you're carrying your cross, then you know what? You are going to be able to follow with me you're going to be able to walk in intimacy with me it's not going to be as bad because you see when we think about denying ourselves, what, what goes through our mind at least it goes through mine I don't know about you because I'm not all that spiritual but anyway when I start thinking about denying myself I go through all of these things I think about everything I want everything I desire everything that I and, and oh, my, oh my goodness I got to let go of all of that but when I realize that I'm letting go of all of this so I can get all of him my goodness he, he is much greater and much more glorious than anything else that I could want anything else that I could desire no matter who what it is everything that I really desire is bound up in him church and so Jesus is saying if you deny yourself and you take up your cross and follow me you're going to walk with me and have relationship with me but we have to go through suffering because the scripture says we're co-heirs and we're going to experience all of this glorification if we suffer with him I want you to turn to one last scripture and I'm getting ready to close here and it's the book of Hebrews because we're talking about following Jesus and we're talking about the true signs of Christianity following our lives. The book of Hebrews chapter 5. The 
Book of Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 5, when you got to say so. Look what it says. It says, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Let's look at this for a moment. Look what he's saying here. The writer is saying, Jesus cried up these tears and you and you remember in the garden of gethsemane he was crying out he was saying father you are able to do all things he said but not my will be done but your will be done he said if you can take this cup from me if i don't have to go through this suffering then let it not be this is what he's communicating he's crying out you know what the scripture says the scripture says he was heard (laughs) i had to show this to you because sometimes we think because god doesn't answer us the way we want him to answer he didn't hear us Oh, I've been praying for this. I've been asking for this. And he didn't answer. Well, he didn't hear me. He heard you. He heard you. That's just not what he wants to give you. Period. That's not his will. And so Jesus, what? He cries out. And he's crying out. And he cries out to the Father because he knows that God can deliver him and can save him from this death. And he goes on to say here in verse 8, it says, though he was a son Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now tell me this. It's good enough for Jesus to have to suffer, but not us. It's okay for him to go through that, but we don't have to identify with that. No, church. If we're going to be perfected, we've got to go through this. So here's the question. What is your Christianity mindful of? What is your Christianity mindful of? Are you mindful of the things of God or the things of this earth? Are you filled with an understanding, man, I can't live the way I want to live. I can't continue to do what I want to do. I can't continue to have it my way. I got to submit to God Almighty. Oh, you're saying, this guy's crazy. Can't wait till this service is over. Oh, because there's someone in here who's thinking that. I got to go. They, they, they got more important things to do than hear about what Jesus went through for them. And that's okay. I'm sorry for you. Jesus said clearly, he said, listen. To the person who wants to save his life will lose it. The person who loses his life will save it. It says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, you can have all the riches, you can have everything in this earth, and you will, number one, never know the peace of God that you're supposed to know in this earth is talking about your soul there. You can have everything. How many of these people, I mean, you see it all the time, committing suicide. You know, they, they don't commit suicide. They overdose. It was accidental. Why? Because they are so empty, yet they are surrounded by everything that we dream to have. Church, listen. We need what God offers, and it is true life. We can give nothing in exchange for our soul. Nothing. But if we recognize that we need him, 
and we embrace his sacrifice, we can experience his peace and we can be assured that at the end of it all, because I've denied myself, I've forgotten about myself, I've carried my cross, I'm following him and I'm walking with him, that at the end of it all, I'm going to be glorified with him. That's what we live for, church. I'm sorry I didn't preach you a message that, you know, you're just going ahead and do this and do that and you're going to get the big house and the big car. I'm sorry I didn't preach the message to you that, you know what, God is just going to fix every single broken thing in your life. Some of the stuff you broke and you need to fix it. Hello. Some, some stuff, you know, we want God to fix, but we're the one that broke it. We're the one that messed it up and so we need to fix it. Not on our own strength, by his grace and by his ability. But the question is, what are you going to do with this? What is your Christianity mindful of? Is it all about you, you, you? Or is it about him? Is it about him, church? Everybody stand to your feet and bow your heads, please.